is the Beyond the Studio podcast, and you're listening to Season 2, Beyond the Studio West Coast Edition. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll share honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. Support for this season comes from Southern Exposure's Alternative Exposure Grant Program in partnership with Facebook's Artist in Residence Program and the Andy Warhol Foundation. If you find value in listening to Beyond the Studio, we'd love to ask you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It's the easiest way to show us some love and to help others find the podcast. Thank you so much in advance for letting us know what you think and for supporting the show. You might hear some adult language used occasionally on the show, so please be mindful of those around you and pop in some headphones if needed. This episode's brought to you by Artwork Archive. Artwork Archive is an online platform that makes it easy to manage all aspects of an art career. I know this firsthand because I actually use Artwork Archive to organize and manage my own business. Artwork Archive tracks your artwork, sales, shows, and contacts, automatically builds schedules, and sends you reminders so you're always one step ahead. And for a limited time, Beyond the Studio listeners get 20% off when you get started with their free trial at www.artworkarchive.com beyond. Start connecting with collectors, getting organized, and building your art career now. All right, welcome back to Beyond the Studio. Today we're talking to Morgan Roscoff of Portland, Oregon. Morgan holds an MFA from the University of Oregon from 2013 and a BFA in printmaking from Sonoma State University in 2010. She's exhibited her work in group shows internationally, including Tokyo, Japan, and at spaces throughout Seattle and Portland, where she's currently based. And we're excited to talk with Morgan today about her experience as an emerging artist with a really dynamic career and her relationship to Portland and the influence living there has had on her work. So Morgan, thanks for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Would you mind introducing yourself in your own words uh, along with your work? Sure. Um, my name is Morgan and um, lately I've been calling myself an interdisciplinary artist because my job, which is working as a floral designer, seems to be infiltrating my studio practice more and more every single day. My studio practice is based mostly on paper, and even that is very interdisciplinary. I really don't have any loyalty to any particular medium, but the flowers are encroaching, which is very exciting, uh, and so I'm kind of donning the name interdisciplinary artist right now. I've been living in Portland for five years now and living in the state of Oregon for eight years total, counting my time in Eugene for grad school. But you're not originally from the area. You were born in LA, is that right? I was born in a suburb of LA, specifically Orange County, and that's where I grew up. Um, and I have a lot of opinions about Orange County, and I left as quickly <laughs> as I could. But it is a place that I am from and where people still live. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> sure. I, I very much understand as someone from Palm Beach Gardens, where uh, Trump's favorite favorite golf course is. Yikes. So, and I also left as soon as I could. And yeah. I have family there that I love. And there are other people there, too. Yep, there's people there. <laughs> so tell us about your journey to Oregon. How did you end up in Portland? Well, I went to the University of Oregon because they were offering me my education, essentially. They paid for my education while I taught classes, and then also teaching classes gave me a stipend. I still went into debt for my master's degree, but it wasn't anything compared to going to another program, and so that was really great. And then also... Um, the printmaking teacher at U of O was a lovely woman, and my undergraduate education was riddled with old men, and so I was really excited mm -hmm. to go into a program uh, where my mentor was going to be a woman. And um, there were other schools that I got into and offered money as well, but I chose Oregon in the end, and I'm really happy with my decision. I'm kind of a West Coast, best coast person. Um, <laughs> Maybe one day I'll leave, but as for right now, I'm really happy to be here. 
I guess living in Eugene was enough of a taste of Oregon to lead me up to Portland to stay here. As a Southern Californian, the greenery of the state is just mind-blowing. And the first time I experienced an Oregon spring was just totally out of control. I had no idea that people just like had tulips come up out of their ground in the front yards. I was like, this is, I've never seen anything like this. (laughs) Um, So I was kind of addicted to the landscape, I guess. Uh, and just how it is a rainforest here. And it was just Mm -hmm. so unlike anything I'd ever experienced. Do you feel like being there specifically plays into your art a lot or or at all? I don't really know the answer to that. Sometimes I actually feel like my art would fit in better in places like LA, where maybe there's a lot there's a lot of color in my pieces right now and there's a lot going on. Maybe there's like some chaos. Portland's art scene is rapidly expanding. And I would say right now in visual art specifically, there's not one aesthetic that's dominating. Um, Design is definitely a very prominent aesthetic here. And that's a really interesting and strange thing to navigate art versus design. And I'm sure it's like that in San Francisco too. Mm -hmm. There's a very like, pervasive kinfolk aesthetic and I'm just gonna say right now that (laughs) I'm a hater (laughs) and um sorry if that makes anybody mad but I do feel like that aesthetic can lead to mediocrity and lack of ingenuity and so right now it's cool in Portland because there's a lot of artists here right now there's a lot of spaces opening and there's a lot of people bringing different things to the table and it's really cool to see that Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something to be said for trying to pursue some sort of authenticity within your own work, Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to following the trend that you see is happening around you. um, And to try and keep making your work and find, find a niche for it um, within a place that uh, maybe it's not the kind of dominant um, aesthetic as you're describing. Do you feel like going to graduate school in in the area helped you to create a space in Portland or, I mean, there are two different communities. So what was the, did you feel like that was kind of a launch pad into your career there? I think so. I didn't know anybody when I actually moved to Portland or like I knew people that I had met a couple times, but I didn't have a friend group. And then a lot of people that were in my graduating class in Eugene ended up moving to Portland. And so now those people are here and I have like my graduate school family and we see each other a lot and are always supporting all of each other's creative endeavors. The the Eugene versus Portland dynamic is very different. Um, And actually, a lot of people from Eugene don't make it up to Portland and vice versa. So um, they do feel Mm kind of separate sometimes. I don't know. I feel like one of the best things about Portland that's had the biggest impact on my studio practice is just that it's still affordable for me to live here and not work full time. And so I really, really get to spend a lot of time in my studio, which is difficult to achieve in so many other cities. I'm super fortunate. I work like 27 hours a week and the rest of my time I get to spend in the studio. So I'm straight up living a Peter Pan life. Um, and (laughs) that's really like not possible in places like New York or LA. And so, um, I think that Mm -hmm. that's been the greatest impact the the Portland has had on my studio practice is just the accessibility to my, my actual studio. Yeah. Nicole and I are always talking about that with me being in Baltimore and her being in San Francisco where like Baltimore is a super affordable city to live in. And it's one of the biggest reasons why I've been able to go full time with my work. And mm-hmm. Nicole is in one of the most expensive cities you could live in on this continent. On this continent, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I mean, that is something that we're kind of interested to bring into the conversation as we start talking with artists throughout the West Coast, mm-hmm. because that does have such a big impact on your life and your work as an artist is the ability to find space or affordable housing. Um, and really, it comes back to. The, the time and many factors are, you know, and I think having the biggest impact um, just career-wise is figuring out that equation. So if you can find a way to allow yourself more time in the studio while, you know, m- making enough money to s- support yourself through um, without having to work a, a really demanding full-time job, that uh, is really the ideal balance for a lot of artists. 
Um, but it is hard because I, I think in San Francisco, there's kind of a catch-22 where there are certain things I feel have happened here opportunity-wise that may not have been able to happen anywhere else. But it is also extremely expensive and trying to balance, you know, the same number of hours uh, working a part-time job isn't enough financially to sustain myself. So having to find other ways to fill in those gaps has been the biggest struggle for me. Yeah. But that's that's really great to hear that Portland is a place that is able to facilitate that. It is. And I mean, I live in a house with roommates. So mm-hmm. um, that living expense is lessened because of that. I also have my studio in my basement, which um, I feel like actually if I didn't have my studio in my basement, I would still be paying maybe the same amount for a room and a studio. Mm -hmm. But I'm totally a home studio person. And so the basement studio is my jam. That's how I feel the most creative and the most productive. So, Uh, And California doesn't have basements. Uh, that's one of the things that's great about Oregon is most of the homes here have basements and um, sometimes they're really beautiful finished basements and my current basement is not that, but it works and <laughs> I like it. And so uh, it really is conducive to my creative practice. Yep. I relate to that, that live home studio yeah, life. Yeah, rep it. I just really like when the fridge is only 20 steps away from me. You know, I'm like, it's oh, so I, can, good. I can get a snack right now. <laughs> Yep. Not having to put shoes on or yes. normal clothes on yes. to, to get to work. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Yep. I also am kind of like a crazy multitasker and I'll have different projects going on at home at the same time. And so um, I like that. I think I read that one of you guys is a crazy plant person. Who is it? That would be Amanda. Nice. <laughs> I too am a crazy plant person. And so they need to be taken care of. And I find that yeah. when I, I'm on a break in the studio, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go take care of my plants. And so yep. it's helpful. How many plants yeah. do you have? Oh, I have no idea. Oh. It is it is constantly growing because a lot of Ballpark? the like, more house plants, uh, I'll say, I say it could probably be around like maybe 80 yeah same that feels, that feels right I'm, I might be like overzealous with my estimate but uh I can count all mine right now cool. I have one two three four five six eight that's, that's it right <laughs> there's there's probably like five five sitting in each individual window that I have throughout the house and then there's a ton of them outside and I'm constantly trying to propagate and make more plant babies mm-hmm. to further cocoon myself with green yes yes same (laughs) do you feel like with having an in-home studio you are able to just pick up your work at any time or are you a lot more conscious about creating really structured studio time because your studio is within your home I feel like I can go pick up at any time I feel like my studio practice is really structured, though, because my job is so physically demanding. And so when I get home from work, I'm just usually completely toasted. And the thought of going and working in the studio is not on my priority list. I just finished a large body of work for a show that I'm having in Manila. And towards the end of that, though, I was working in the studio on the nights after work so um which was great because I could just like be a zombie eat my dinner you know and go down there and put in like two hours of work and then go to bed so that was helpful what would you say is like your typical structure for your studio practice or, or what you try to, to stick within? Um, I'm very fortunate in that all four of my days off are in a row. And so oh, I work in so the good. studio. I, I know. It's like being in graduate <laughs> school. <laughs> um, uh, so my days off are Sunday through Wednesday. And I usually try to work 10 to 12 hours on those days. Granted, like eating breaks, plant breaks, you know, I try to exercise to be a regular person and socialize once in a while too, you know, like not trying to be a real, real hermit. Um, but I am pretty good at that. Um, so yeah, I would say like four days in a row, 
you know, 30 to 30 to 55 hours a week. I'm not making anything right now because I'm taking a break because I just finished that body of work. So now I'm on vacation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, it's so hard to take breaks from creative work, but it's super necessary to like recharge and get yourself inspired to go back into the studio with new ideas. It is. That is a constant struggle. And I feel like this week is week two and a half of taking a break. And I'm like writing. I'm like, you can write but I'm not allowed to go in the studio right now unless it's to dance. I turned my studio into a dance studio for the time being. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Never underestimate the power of movement in art. (laughs) Yeah. I was talking to a friend and she said that she read this essay about how dance is the most important of contemporary art mediums. And at first I was like, uh, maybe, like, is that true? I don't really know. And I still don't know the answer. There's not an answer. It's just an opinion. But I do think that movement is really powerful. And um, just like expressing yourself through movement is so much faster than painting or drawing. Maybe the second closest is music. But yeah, I don't know how to play anything. I just dream about it. I like that, though. I feel like it requires a similar brain as when you're working in the studio. I used to play instruments when I was younger. Uh I wouldn't call myself a musician anymore, but just, you know, when I was in high school and leading up to that. But I feel like it has the same type of balance between the kind of like intellectual, technical side of you're thinking and then the more like responsive emotional side. And I think, you know, when you're making a piece, all of that is kind of activated in the same way as when you're playing music. So yeah, I think they're all interrelated. They are. I think so too. Um, So you mentioned in the beginning uh, how your day job has been influencing your studio practice more and more. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like what do you do for your day job? I'm a floral designer. I've been doing that for a very long time. Being a florist was actually my first job in high school, and then when I oh, went, wow. mm-hmm. and then when I went to college, I worked as a writing tutor for a while, and then when I was done with graduate school, I went back to floral design. I've worked at a number of places in Portland. I think like a the flowers are amazing. Like I just lose my mind all the time. Like come spring, the flower shops are just like exploding with amazing color and texture and. I love being a floral designer in contrast to my studio practice because my drawings are so laborious and take a long time, but making a flower arrangement can take like five minutes and it's just about beauty and then it goes away and I never see it again. And I'm like, that was great. It was this beautiful exercise in making something lovely really quickly. I think like the largest impact that it's had on my practice is maybe more on a conceptual level um, and I think that the flowers are usually in their most beautiful state right before they start looking bad. And that fleeting beauty, like being the most beautiful right before they start dying, or even the fact that the flower is literally dead when it gets cut off the plant, but it's still flourishing. All those things just kind of melt my brain a little bit. Also learning the names of the flowers, and most flowers have like three names or their medicinal properties, or their spiritual properties, their mythological properties are all really fascinating to me. Would you consider it almost like research for your studio practice? Sometimes it can be. I don't know if research is the right word. I don't know. Maybe it's like, they're so entangled. I'm like, is it a byproduct? Is it research? I don't know. I feel like they're just like, Like one is my left hand and one is my right hand, you know, like they work together to make both of those things, both my job and my studio practice. There was a point in time where I was working at a a place in town and I had to resign from my job because it wasn't a, it wasn't a healthy situation. And I was like having these thoughts and I was like, maybe I'll leave floral design altogether. And then I was like, no, like that'd be like cutting a limb off. So, um, (laughs) I'm glad that I didn't uh, because it does prove itself over and over again to be like a source of joy and then also a place of inspiration 
just visual inspiration, you know. Um, I'm so lucky that I don't mm-hmm. have to go to job to a job and look at a computer screen every day or on the days that I work. I think that that yeah. is something to not be taken for granted also. Yeah. And just for context, can you tell us a little bit about your studio process? Sure. And we've seen your work, you know, just from your website, but for any listeners who haven't yet had a chance to take a look at it, um, just describing a little bit about what you do and how you approach Uh, a piece or project in the studio? All my work is on paper. It's drawing and collage based. I do a lot of transfer techniques. Lately, I've been really into doing Xerox transfers. And so I have like two kind of crappy printers in my studio. I have a printer that prints with toner and I'll transfer those images with acetone. And then I have an inkjet printer And I'll put a piece of plastic or like a sheet protector in the printer. And while the ink is still wet, transfer that image down onto the paper. It's great because I I can have two kind of like photo processes working together to make uh, a drawing in the end. I use collage. I used to collage out of books and magazines, but I don't really do that anymore. I now get large pieces of collage material printed on vellum so that I'll have like a large source of one particular pattern to cut from for one piece or multiple pieces. I approach my work really intuitively. I don't necessarily have a plan at the beginning. A lot of times it's just about in the end like creating compositional harmony which I think that that's another place where floral design enters the equation Um, is creating balance, intentionally creating dissonance. Yeah, it's all very intuitive. I use a lot of different textures. I'm interested in conveying mood through texture and mental landscapes. I think that's a phrase I use in my artist statement right now is conveying mental landscapes through texture and flowers and juxtaposition of of textures yeah I think it's helpful to hear a little bit more about your work especially because your your day job is so intertwined with it Mm -hmm. and even though you know our conversations are mainly focused on all of the work that happens outside of the studio I mean they're really all woven together um, in so many different ways and so I think that having a little bit of insight into the creative process um it can be really helpful when we're talking to artists too and that's usually the motivator and the driving factor behind everything else we do in service of that work yeah talk about the connection between your day job and then your work in the studio are you ever pulling like imagery or really specific source material from that or would you say it's more just a general influence or source of inspiration I think it's just a general influence I think also there's something about my job that releases a lot of tension that can build in the studio drawing for 10 hours is rather sedentary and so then I go and do my job and like move around seven gallon buckets all day and carry huge heavy buckets of flowers or you know I'm on a scissor lift with my boss hanging flowers from the ceiling and so there's like a real stark yeah it's crazy sometimes um you know there's like a real stark contrast between the way that my body is actually completing these tasks. And I think that that's really important because I think otherwise I would go crazy if I was just going from one sitting activity to another. I think it's like a scale. It's about inspiration, but I think it's also about two things being complementary to each other for a wholesome experience. You know, like the week needs to be a wholesome week. And that includes sitting in the studio and then working my butt off to make somebody's wedding. Yeah, it sounds like a physical and mental balance too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then where you're working currently, is that um, just a local studio in Portland? Uh, Yeah, it's a local business. It's been around for eight years. The owner of the business, her name is Megan Aramble, and the business is called Fieldwork Flowers. She just is a creative mastermind flower queen it's really inspiring to work for her I would definitely say that maybe our brand is 
or not our brand, but her brand, and I happen to work for her, is Rebel Florist. I think that that fits in with my overall life vibe altogether. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes it's so hard to find the right setup for yourself when you're someone with uh, like all these different interests and passions that contribute to who you are as a person and like what you want your life to look like. Mm-hmm. And it, it also is a great opportunity to kind of curate your life to exactly the way that you need it to look to meet your needs and kind of uh, fulfill your own your own interests. I know like for myself, I, I relate very much to this and like, when I'm in the studio all day, there are days where I'm like, did I even say anything out loud today? Like, did I interact <laughs> with another human being? I guess I only spoke to my cat. That's cool. Yes. Um, but it, it it's so important to take care of your physical needs and your social needs and your emotional needs and, like, giving yourself the right kind of uh, breaks and, and balance and... It sounds like you got a nice a nice balanced situation going on. Yeah, I definitely consider myself a professional introvert. And so um, on days when I go to work, I get to balance that out. Because even though I have a really high threshold on not leaving the house, like I eventually need to leave the house and talk to somebody besides myself and the cat. Sometimes I will be in the studio and I'll be like, you're really taking it far today on the conversation with yourself, Morgan. <laughs> and they say that people that talk to themselves are creative geniuses. I'm really banking on that. Um, but also, where is the line? See, I bookmark those articles, too. And I feel like the only people that, like, save those are the ones that are talking. That need self-assurance. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Please validate me. Um, so, yeah. Articles by us for us. Uh, thank God. I relate to that, too, though. I think... Any studio artist probably seeks out that type of balance because mm-hmm. I work pretty solo as well um, as a painter. And my day job involves working in a museum setting where sometimes it's just like interaction overload and there's yes. a little too much of it. But I think it does satisfy that balancing act of needing to be around people yeah. <laughs> versus um, being alone in the studio and... I think that's been consistent too with other jobs I've had in the past. So I, I can relate to that need. When I get to the end of my work week, I'm just like so desperate for my my four days of studio solitude, you know. And then by mm-hmm. the end of my studio days, I'm ready to go to work. I appreciate that ebb and flow. It seems very harmonious right now. Yeah, that's really beautiful. So um, are there any other things that you're spreading your time between right now? I read that you also teach or maybe have taught illustration courses at Pacific Northwest College of Art. I did teach an illustration class there for a term. It just like wasn't my thing. I one day hope to return to teaching when it feels right. Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel like I was ready for it. This is going to make me sound so unqualified to be a teacher. But, like, I wasn't, I wasn't into, like, preparing for it, you know? Like, being a teacher requires so much prep work. And I wasn't into that. Like, I didn't want homework. I didn't want to think about my students when I was done with class. I didn't want to respond to their emails. Like, I just wanted to go to class and, like, be passionate about drawing and be passionate about art. But... I didn't want to do all the other stuff, which I was like, maybe if I'm going to be a teacher at this point in my life right now, I can just be a mentor instead of like actually being paid to hold up the responsibilities of being a teacher. Mm -hmm. They did not take me seriously. (laughs) I think also my hair was lime green, which I was really proud of myself to get hired as a faculty with lime green hair. But I don't think it, I don't think it panned out for me in the end. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, though, because, I mean, every career trajectory that you might find yourself on is a commitment in and of itself. And so I think it's, it's exciting to hear how you found this balance where you have a job that supports and informs your studio practice in a positive way without detracting from it because I feel the challenge for so many artists who want to be spending more time on their studio is to find a a job like that where the balance is you know more or less evenly distributed between the two or the focus can be on the studio work but you're able to support yourself 
yeah. through the income off of that job. And, and it also allows you to detach or to kind of clock out at the end of the day, you know, like mm-hmm. having a job like that can be really hard to find. And I think sometimes along with just the, the time aspect of having enough, you know, physical time to, to make your work or to be in the studio, it's also like the mental energy that is a challenge, I think, to, to bring to the time that you do have mm-hmm. and to really detach yourself from everything else that's going on. And when you have a job that requires that level of attention um, outside of the, you know, the hours that you're working, uh, it can be really hard to do that. And then ultimately, you know, maybe it is filling some needs in terms of supporting you as a person, but mm-hmm. um, in other ways, it can take away from your studio work. And Yeah, there is also something about not being a teacher that kind of like makes me feel like I can be a little bit more wild and feral, which has always felt really important for the creation of my artwork. I just felt like when I was a teacher, I always had to be like constantly censoring myself. Like giving off the parents that you have your shit together yes. a little more than or like, you do. And you know, like I couldn't say certain things, you know, or express natural complexity to what life actually is because it was in the realm of school. And so I don't know, I just I like when I like when things are a little bit more maybe like when things are a little bit less put together, less compartmentalized. Everything can bleed together right now. I think that maybe that's been the theme of this whole conversation. Um but that's I guess <laughs> what I'm after is that just like you can't separate the life from the art. It is all together. I think in general, it's so hard to figure out, especially if you are, well, representing yourself as like a, a brand or business or art, or if you're working for someone else and representing theirs, like fa- finding the right balance between how much you do and don't share and what parts of your life are private or a personal opinion versus like what are the things that you want to put out into the world Mm -hmm. like this is a very dumb example (laughs) but I recently hit a point where I was like okay I smoke a lot of weed and I I think I'm okay sharing that with my audience I think I don't feel the need to censor that from the people that buy things from me so I'm just gonna start putting it into my art now (laughs) nice oh my god I've been trying to figure that out for so long (laughs) like that exact issue It's very hard because part of me is like, okay, I know some people have a really limited point of view of it. They don't know or understand or maybe they they are buying into this like bad stigma that is, you know, brought around from the war on drugs. Whereas other people are like, oh, yeah, I smoke weed every day and I've never been more productive and fulfilled and, and content with my life uh, and like finding the, the right balance. So I finally started selling these little uh, like best buds weed patch sets and I'm like okay (laughs) I'm gonna put it out there but now I find when I'm at craft shows and I'm interacting with customers they're like oh my god I'm so happy to see this I'm like yes you are my people Mm -hmm. yeah it becomes another print of connection in Oregon you can grow four plants a household and so that is another thing that I do every summer is grow for four marijuana plants every (laughs) summer (laughs) which is a great spiritual gardening activity I'm gonna be a crazy grandma you guys just like (laughs) a crazy gardening grandma and like in my basement studio I don't really envisioning my life changing for the rest of my existence (laughs) yeah I I, you're living the dream you've achieved it it's just gonna be like the same forever (laughs) I I feel like that's also a thing you kind of come to terms with and figure out as you're getting older because when you're young you always have this idea of what your future looks like it's very distant Mm -hmm. but then once you're in your like 20s and 30s you're like ah this is this is fine I'm cool with it looking like this and yeah the future is now solid (laughs) (laughs) it's totally right now do you have any uh aside from the contentment of how things are going right now do you have any goals that you're working towards within your creative career all of this in quotes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like my financial situation feels pretty stable right now. Um, but my creative output is like always in flux. And I have some goals 
you know, like long-term goals. I really would love to be in group shows in LA or San Francisco, just be in some of those larger art scenes. I mean, of course, New York City, but I feel like um, the West Coast seems a little bit like a more obtainable long-term goal for me right now. We'll see what happens after my show in the Philippines. Uh, maybe it'll be like a really nice, super roundabout way to another large city in the United States. Yeah, how did that come about? Uh, they found me on Instagram. And oh, wow. I know, very millennial. And <laughs> they just, they're, oh, two, they, I want to say, specialize in painting or illustration, works on paper. And so um, they found me and offered me a solo show. And I had a, I had 10 months to make a body of work for them. And so that's what I just got done doing. Um, so yeah, an amazing opportunity and I get to go, I'm going to go there in three weeks. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, it'll be the summer vacation that I didn't get this summer or maybe haven't had in a, in a really long time. This is all work. So you can write it all Uh up on your taxes. Yes. (laughs) I feel like that's a really important note for anyone. We're all about writing everything off on your taxes. So Uh make sure you do that if you're not already. Um, I wanted to ask if that was kind of like a rare occurrence, um, having someone reach out to you with that kind of opportunity through Instagram, or have you found a lot of things come about through social media? That was like the largest opportunity that's been offered to me through social media. I've been contacted for group shows through social media, but Never an international solo show. At first, I no joke, for like six months, I thought it was a scam. I was like, these people... Even as you're starting to make work for it, and you're like, I I don't know about this. I was like, I'm making these pieces, but I'm pretty sure it's a scam. Um, I was like, I'm just going to mail all this work somewhere, and then it's going to be like put in somebody's house, and I'm not going to get any money for it. I don't even know. That's not happening. The gallery that's hosting me is so generous, so amazing such a lovely group of people. I can't even believe it's real sometimes still, but I did really think it was a scam. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. I'm curious, what were some of your like like radar detection, like questions you were asking to kind of filter this through? Because I get so many scam emails and mm-hmm. I just got one recently where I was like, you know what, I, I know this is a scam, but I don't understand how people try and take advantage like this. So I'm just going to reach out and like see how far this conversation will go. So I started talking with this person and, you know, every step of the way I felt like there were these really apparent red flags where Mm -hmm. they were looking for a painting for their wife's anniversary and it has to be within the $500 to $1,000 range. And, you know, they all follow the same template, but like what were some of the questions you were asking? online about that. Like, do not do this. Yeah. Um, yeah, usually they're pretty easy to detect, but sometimes they can seem really legit. So, like, what were you asking to determine, okay, this is a real opportunity that I feel comfortable moving forward with? Uh, first things first, I just went to their website to see how legit of a website it was. I was like, not nah, yeah. like, I could imagine some elaborate scheme where people made, like, a beautiful website so that when the the people to be scammed started their research they would be like oh no this website is legit so the website was great uh one of the things that i thought was really interesting when i started doing research though was that they had a space in the philippines and they were opening a new space and so when they first contacted me the gallery hadn't been built yet which like made me even more worried because they sent me blueprints of the space and i was like oh cool it's not even real (laughs) (laughs) um but then they then there was footage of their opening party and um I contacted a couple of the artists that were on their roster um you know just being like hey I saw you had a show here all is chill right um so that was helpful and then finally um I made I didn't make I really wanted to FaceTime um or whatever Skype with the people that run the place and that was that was crazy too. Um, but now I know it's not a scam and I've known for a long time that it's not a scam, but there's just like general anxiety. Also just like putting my lifeblood in an, in a cardboard parcel and putting it on a plane to go 15 hours overseas was 
very anxiety inducing. Yeah. Were there any other challenges that came up like that with having, this is your first international show, right? Uh Just like logistically of how you're going to ship and get your work there. Uh, I'm very fortunate. They are framing all my work for me when it gets there. And um, so I didn't have to endure that heartache of framing, which is just a pain in the ass in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure that saved you a ton on shipping everything over. Mm -hmm. They actually paid for shipping too. So fuck yeah. Right. I was like, this is a dream. Also, is it a scam? Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) um, but they're just incredibly generous. And um, so, yeah, I just shipped everything flat. I don't know, just, yeah, figuring that stuff out, building a very nice pack for all my work, which is something that, to me, was like, I was like, oh, this is a real marker of adulthood, was building this beautiful pack for my artwork. Because perhaps, like, 27-year-old Morgan would have done a very half-assed job. Um, But now that I'm older and care more um, about stupid things like that, or things that I just don't enjoy doing, like framing or doing stuff like that, like, but still taking time to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There weren't that many other complicated things. It's all been really straightforward. The only barrier is just the time difference. And I feel like we're communicating with each other, like really late at night or really early in the morning. I don't know. It's been, it's been really positive and I only envision it being that way for the duration of my experience with them. Well, this is a little bit of a segue, but related. How often would you say opportunities like that are coming to you versus like the ratio of you really actively making connections or applying to things like grants? Mm -hmm. Like how often are you seeking those things out versus um, getting invitations? To be honest, most things have come to me via invitation. I apply for grants and stuff like that. Nobody's just straight up giving me money, which when that happens, <laughs> I'll let you know. But um, <laughs> same. <laughs> uh, whenever some wealthy benefactor enters my life, I will tell you. But in terms of showing work, I have been very fortunate in that people have reached out to me. I also feel like that has been more in line with just like. Uh, the schedule that my studio practice has been on because the pieces take such a long time to make. I can't really, like if I don't have work in the studio that's available right now, like I usually don't have time to apply for something and then make work for it. And so I need to have work that is either almost already done or done before I apply for a show in order to feel confident that I'll even have something to send them. Um, So being invited to do shows works out so much better because I'm either making that body of work specifically for that show or, you know, corralling what I do have available into something that I'm going to send out work for. Mm -hmm. And then also it kind of gives me the opportunity to take time off when I'm in between working on shows. And what kind of platforms are these invitations coming to you from like are they finding you through Instagram are they through other shows you've been a part of or some other connection um it's been Instagram and then a couple of other shows that I was a part of I think specifically in Seattle so Seattle has their art fair every summer and then this really lovely human he's just like this man about town in Seattle he's an artist he is an exhibition producer He's just like a very like high energy person and he would host this show in the summer called Out of Sight and it was Seattle's or the Pacific Northwest's regional curated art show that coincided with the Seattle Art Fair because the Seattle Art Fair for the most part is showing national and international work versus regional work and so I was in the Out of Sight show for two years in a row, which really just expanded the people that were getting in contact with me and seeing my work. Mm. Um, And I think that the out of sight show is really something that has helped expand my career really greatly. Wow, that's interesting. You can kind of pin it back to that one recurring opportunity. It's so fortunate to be part of those sh- that show. Um, so many artists, I want to say they were showcasing 100, 150 artists. Um, and so they were massive. 
Wow. Um, and so many people attended. And because it was going on the same time as the Seattle Art Fair, you know, it was just like so much traffic. So I think that that, that show or the two years of being in that show in particular was really important for me. Thank you, Greg. You're an angel. Are there any other experiences that you feel like really made a big difference in your art career or in your art practice uh, similar to that? I think just like trying to be nice to people and just be supportive. I don't, I don't like, I'm not like a super big socializer, so I'm not like going out and networking all the time. I find it hard and exhausting. Like I'm sure everybody does. I mean, there's those extroverts out there that love that love to network and good on you. Do you feel pretty connected to the creative community in Portland? I do. I feel, I mean, I can always be more connected. Um, but the creative community is also changing right now. For a while, I was very much a part of the electronic music scene, even though I wasn't a musician, uh, my partner at the time was. And so we did a lot of stuff together in that community of Portland. Um, but now I am kind of like reestablishing myself in the visual arts community, which is maybe where I should have been the whole time. Um, but you know, whatever, <laughs> roundabout ways, getting plenty of places. But like I said before, that visual arts community is growing right now so much. And so I'm really especially happy to be a part of it because I feel like as it grows, all of us are just going to grow together. And in Morgan's Utopic Universe, we'll all just be friends, right? Yeah. yeah. When you say the community is growing, do you mean like more artists moving to the area or more like gallery spaces opening up? More gallery spaces opening up and just like more art from people being shown that oh, this is going to sound so terrible, but just like not bad art being shown. Like, and there's a couple galleries in downtown Portland that kill it all the time. And like going to those shows, you know, is great. But sometimes it's just like, hotel paintings. Yeah, the caliber of work is growing. The idiosyncrasies in the work are starting to get more interesting. The spaces that are showing the work are becoming more inclusive. I just feel like also there's like a level of seriousness in the visual artists that is that is increasing. There's not a lot of job opportunities to re like if you want to be an artist in Portland, you either have to teach, which is very hard job to find here. Or you like work in a restaurant or you're like me and you have like some weird part-time design job. The seriousness of the artists that is growing is really inspiring because people are still like managing bars or working as a waiter. And so people still remaining vigilant artists is super cool, even in the face of having maybe a non-art related day job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as someone who did did that for many years, it can be very hard. But also kind of nice having a job that's like, I don't know, I always intentionally wanted to have a day job that was completely non-artistic. That way mm -hmm. I didn't have that pressure. It also meant that like my day job never inspired me in my artwork. It was like, this is just helping with bills. And surely I like I met people like I always had some pretty creative co-workers that that helped a ton and that was mm -hmm. always inspiring but it's not like I was you know making latte art and then I'm like oh my god this is gonna be a huge painting I could tell until you start drawing lattes <laughs> right right yeah I'm 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 done with with mushrooms and puns I'm going right into lattes now this is my yes. announcement <laughs> Do you have any like tools or resources or habits that you use within your uh, daily life or, or art practice that kind of help uh, to keep everything running smoothly? I don't know. I feel like I'm just an advocate of playing to your strengths. Also kind of putting all your eggs in one basket, which I know is not that's like the, the, the opposite of the saying, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. But when I finished grad school, I was like, I'm putting all my eggs in the art basket. And um, and I feel like that decision has served me really well. Um, and granted now, like I have a couple different things going on at the same time, but it's all in service for one thing. And so I think just like 
reminding myself that all my efforts are towards this one thing and to stay focused. I think that those are some of the, maybe the more important decisions slash tools that I try to tap into when I'm feeling discouraged or confused or I need to get my shit in alignment, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like having that kind of clarity has helped you to say no to things that have come your way or things that might look like opportunities, but maybe aren't quite in line with where you see yourself or your work going? Yes. I also don't believe in artists having to spend a lot of money just to show their work beyond the regular expenses of having a show, you know, but like a couple weeks ago, I got this email and this to me is a scam, even though it's not. I got this email from this gallery that was like, we'd like to offer you an opportunity to have an exhibition with us. This is how much it costs. Like, yeah, that pay to play. Yeah. And I'm just like, F that, you know what? Like it's already going to cost me so much money and time to make the work for the show and to ship it and to frame it. And then I have to pay for the space. Like, come on. I just think that that type of stuff is a real disservice. And I said, no, and I don't care. I, if like if I'm gonna have an exhibition in the country that offered that to me or the city that offered that to me, like it'll be on different terms. Mm-hmm. I don't know. My arts, my studio practice also sometimes like moves a little bit slow. Like uh, I'm a one man show with a day job, and so of you know things aren't things aren't being thrown at me all the time. Sometimes my inbox is mm-hmm. very uninteresting and only full of spam. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that, pretty that's normal. pretty normal, I think. <laughs> Love those moments when the inbox makes me feel cool, but usually I just feel like I'm being spammed. Do you have any advice that you would give to a young, and not necessarily young in age, but like young in experience, uh, artist trying to figure their shit out or advice that's been given to you that made a big difference? I don't know. I think just like remaining authentic to yourself. Um, I also think that social media puts out this vibe that you don't have to work hard um, because everybody's life just looks so glamorous and um, artists seem to be like producing at an exponential rate, even though let's be real, that's not the case. People are just posting old photos and they're doing it every couple of days. They're not making new shit. So I think Mm -hmm. just like, being real with yourself about what hard work is and being disciplined and not to think that anything's going to be easy. I think that those are all just myths that are perpetuated by social media and like also capitalism, not to drop the C word, but you know, like capitalism really (laughs) ruins it for a lot of people. Just like this crazy pressure that artists feel um, that we need to be prolific every single day of our lives or we're doing it wrong. You know, just to like, Mm -hmm. just to, yeah, approach your studio practice with authenticity and just stick to your guns. And I think that if you work really hard, uh, good things will slowly happen for you. I'm into the slow burn. I don't know about you guys, but... I plan to be an artist for my whole life. And so I'm not about to peak at the age of 31. (laughs) Right? Yeah, it's been really refreshing talking to you because I think that comes through in the way you've been talking about your work and career and just an awareness of your own workflow and pace of working and allowing everything else in your life to be in service of the work and to kind of fall into place around that and to recognize you know when it takes me a really long time to make the work that I want to make and I'm not gonna just scramble to meet deadlines or find opportunities that don't necessarily line up with that process that I've envisioned for my work and the ability to say no to things that aren't in line with what you envision for your life and where you see your work going. And those are things that are a lot easier said than done, but it's really great to see you having found a balance that works for you and your work and just refreshing again to hear you talk about that and to be really clear and honest with yourself, I think, um, because there are so many external motivators and pressures that I think 
sweep us along in, you know, all these different directions. And if you don't take the time to step back and to really gain clarity on what you want for yourself and your work, it's really easy to just go running and, you know, chasing down all these different paths. But ultimately, that's you might think that it's going to get you somewhere faster, but um, it really is about the long game and about taking the time to be thoughtful about your decisions and how you're building your life in a really sustainable way. Yeah. I mean, I think that my life goals in general, I always kind of like feel that regardless of art or my job, like I'm definitely seeking enlightenment uh, in whatever form that is. It's not to me, it's not about money. Oftentimes my parents are worried about me, uh, especially when I say things to that like them. I'm like, it's not about money. It's about enlightenment. Same. And they're like, oh, Morgan. <laughs> but it is, though. Um, I feel that a lot of artists have some soul tending to take care of. Um, there's some fire that's in there that burns in a mysterious way. Yeah, just taking care of that is what leads artists to design the infrastructure of their lives. And a lot of times it looks really different from the rest of the world. And I guess you just have to like be okay with that and to constantly tell yourself to be okay with that. Because when your life doesn't look like other people's, you definitely experience self-doubt. So 100%. Or like if you have a sibling that's like relatively normal. And then you're like the black sheep living in mm -hmm. Portland. <laughs> um, so it's just like <laughs> navigating that. But I think it's also really fun and really cool. And, you know, it's like maybe my having like a wardrobe and each each article of clothing is like custom tailored to fit me. It's like everything is custom tailored to fit my life right now. Who knows when it's going to fall out of alignment? Like just talking about it right now, I'm like, am I going to jinx myself? But yeah, I think that when you work really hard to design your life around the things that you actually want and need, eventually there will come a point in time where that alignment does fall into place and things work together better. That being said, though, I'm so poor all the time. Like, let's be real. Yes, same. <laughs> uh, but I think it's a good life. Thank you. I'd like to get my car fixed eventually, but yeah. Um, yeah. I just yeah, dropped mine off to get a new oil pan. That, that's all going. I know you guys times. are like kindred spirits on opposite coasts. I feel like you're almost the same person. I'm so glad we can what make this friendship connection. <laughs> I'm February eighth. Mine was just last week. Happy late October birthday. 4th. Does that make oh, you a Libra? You. It does. And then, Amanda, Amanda you're Aquarius. Aquarius. That's chill. I'm a Gemini, June 5th. Nice. 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 Yeah, we're yeah. all pretty spread yeah. out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just learned about moon signs and how there are all these layers to your personality beyond your one overall horoscope. What's your moon sign? I don't know. I just learned about it. I have mm. to go do all this research now. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. I mean, I try not to overly subscribe to anything like that, but I do think that it's really fascinating. Any of my friends yeah. also that listen Same to this here. are like, bullshit, Morgan, you love astrology. <laughs> so <laughs> It's all in service of that greater self-awareness. Yeah, so it's been like a theme of this conversation. Yeah. Somebody told me that, um, like, so you can go and, like, put your birth time and your birthplace into a chart. Like, it'll make you a natal chart where all the planets were when you were born. And then somebody told me that it's not about the position of the planets in the solar system. It's about the way that light reflects through the solar system in the moment that you're born. And I was like, oh, that's so beautiful. Wow. Right? That's Just beautiful. Like thinking about these planets oh, as mirrors and satellites for how the light is being reflected through the solar system at the time of your birth. I was like, ah, I feel so much more at peace now. So. <laughs> wow. I'm going to have to let that one sink in for a while. I love that idea of us being so impacted right? by the light yeah. in the universe. It's beautiful. I know I did. I I like put in all my information mm -hmm. for a birth chart for myself. Part of it was talking about, and I can't remember the term for it, but it's uh, I want to say it's like Saturn rising or something. Could have made that up completely, 
but it's like the, the there's a certain point it happens when you're like 27 oh, to yeah, 30 Saturn's I want to say yeah I guess where the the planet returns to its yep. original position of oh. when you were born and that's like generally when people tend to quote unquote like up level their yep. lives and I'm like okay that's the window well, yeah I'm we were right talking now. about this earlier I remember now yeah uh so I'm and it it I don't know it feels somewhat right in that I like I went full time within that time frame and uh I do also this is a total step back to what we were talking about before but I I definitely relate a lot to your vision of kind of I guess building your your life around the life that you want to have or or the way that you want your lifestyle to look over time and I think it's so easy for us as creatives getting caught in this like comparison trap of looking at what other people are doing online and thinking like oh this is what my career should look like but at the end of the day we should really just be building the lives that we want to have and not sacrificing that ideal life for the work if the purpose of the work is to have the life it's so connected. <laughs> Everything's so connected. Um, it's true. Um, I just feel like also, I don't know, like those aren't conversations that my parents had with me when I was a kid. You know, it was like, you're going to go to college and then you're going to get married and you're going to have kids and a job. And it wasn't like, it was almost like life would follow, but there was never, I don't know. It was the idea that life was happening to you and I don't believe that. I don't believe that that is an effective way to live. I don't know. Maybe I'm in existential crisis every day, but I'm also trying to avoid the midlife crisis come like 45, 50. So I think that the midlife crisis is like a huge symptom of people just allowing their life to happen to them and resigning any type of control or input from themselves um, to build something that they're actually really proud to exist within. I just want to like do the things only that I want to do. Is that selfish? No. Yeah. And it's important to question that really linear path that has been kind of offered to us as one possible route that your life could take. But it's way more beautiful to think about the possibilities as this open-ended web with, you know, infinite number of things that Mm -hmm. you could do. Yeah. I think about my dad and my dad has literally had the same job his whole life. I'm just like, how, how do you do it? I had three jobs this past year and two of them I got fired from. No, that's not true. But like, you know, just like that change, just being in flux all the time. Maybe this is just me projecting my own opinion out there, but I feel like we in general get this idea that like, you're supposed to have this particular lifestyle, this particular career, and that a success in any of those is when you choose one thing and you commit to it for your whole life and it lasts the whole time. And I, I don't, I don't subscribe to that at all. Like I'm open to the idea that I, I may stop making art in the way that I do and go in a totally different direction or, or pour, put all of my eggs in a completely different basket of, of, of a different interest that matters as much to me and I I think that I don't know I'm I'm cool with the idea of having careers or jobs or relationships or whatever start and stop and individually being their own successes in their own way and that the end of something doesn't mean that it's a failure it just means that that time is done if that makes any sense it totally (laughs) makes sense it's also like you know it's also like hard to wrap your head around it when that's happening such as like your heart being broken and you're just like, oh shit, that relationship is over now. I guess I have to be at peace with that. You know, eventually we all get there or like not subscribing to a linear trajectory of how things will happen because I don't think any type of history is actually linear. There's lots Mm -hmm. of things happening all at the same time. Morgan, thank you so much for talking with us today. This has been such a fun conversation. It has. If you guys ever come to Portland, hit me up. Yes. Yeah. Also, I got a queen size pullout bed. Hey. (laughs) All right. We'll hold you to it. I think. Uh, Before I forget, where can listeners find your work on the internet or in person? My website is very original, morganroscoff.com. And it's very updated. 
everything that I've made in the past 10 months is there. And uh, Instagram is iffy. I do tend to post things that I'm making there, um, but sometimes it's slow because my artwork is slow. <clears throat> also, I'm just like not super sure on social media some, sometimes. I don't know about you guys, but social media gives me anxiety. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, you've had these great opportunities. So if people want to follow you, is it at Morgan Roscoff? Yeah, it's Morgan underscore Roscoff. I have two Instagrams. I have one that's just my personal work. And then I have another one that is things that I find on the internet that I love so much that I can't not post it. And that one is called Golden Finds. Um, oh, fun. So that one's maybe like an, like a funny place of what I'm visually inspired by right now. I think my website is best. Instagram is such a tiny square. Um, and you can actually like zoom into a photo on my website. Well, thank you. Thank you, guys. Morgan, thank you so much for being on this show. It was a pleasure interviewing you. And I am so excited to come visit you as soon as I can allocate the funds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of our episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests, special announcements, and podcast giveaways. If you're listening to this episode via iTunes, we'd love to ask you to give us a rating and a review because it really makes a big difference. The more reviews we get, the more people we can connect with. And the more we connect, the better we get. And we're trying to get real good here. Internet. Whatever. Yeah, the deep web. The deep Take web. <laughs> dark deep, web? The deep What's dark it called? The dark web. <laughs> the deep, deep dark web. <laughs> Just a, a direction we never envisioned this interview going in. <laughs>